Is the Bible intimidating for you to read? Do you need someone to help guide you through God's Word? Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. The Bible is the best-selling book of all time, but let's face it, it can also be a challenge to read because it contains more than 600,000 words, two testaments, and 66 different books. But how does it all fit together? How do we clearly understand God's continuous story from Genesis to Revelation? That's why I wrote my new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Volume one based on the 39 books of the Old Testament is now available, and I'd like to send you a copy. Here's Brian with details. Ron's new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, is now available. For a gift of $30 or more, request your copy of the 384-page book today. When you order the print book, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The Digital Library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and 8 eBooks. To order your copy of The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, go to somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Well, Pastor Ron, I'm sure many of our listeners are looking forward to reading this important book. I know I am. Talk about some of the challenges you faced as you put this project together and tell us why this two-volume book can be such a great resource for those listening right now. Brian, I knew the ultimate road trip through the Bible would be a pretty big challenge to write as a two-volume set, as challenging to write as the Bible is intimidating for some people to read. But it was truly a labor of love, as is reading God's Word from Genesis to Revelation. I'm hopeful that these resources will show the readers just how beautifully the whole of the Bible fits together into an inspired and unified love letter from God to every member of his creation. Thanks, Pastor Ron. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org and order volume one of this great resource for your gift of $30 or more, or call our office at 757-276-1099. Or if you would like to mail your check, our address is P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. Well, coming up next here on Something Good, Dr. Ron Jones takes us to the fourth of the seven deadly sins, laziness. At first blush, laziness doesn't seem to be all that problematic, certainly not as destructive as pride, anger, or lust, the first three deadly sins. But as you'll see during the next half hour or so, perpetual laziness brings with it some rather severe consequences. Stay with us now for Ron's continuing series, Undefeated, Overcoming the Deadly Sins That Drag You Down, or drop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Now let's join Ron for today's Something Good radio message, Defeating Laziness. SpongeBob SquarePants is a popular animated character on the Nickelodeon channel. Any SpongeBob fans here? I know on this Father's Day, my kids are SpongeBob fans. SpongeBob lives with his friends in the sea. And one of his friends is a pink starfish named Patrick. And one day Patrick won an award, a gold trophy. And he won the award for, quote, 
doing absolutely nothing longer than anybody else. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine an award like that for doing absolutely nothing longer than anybody else? This award was actually number one on a list of Patrick's top five lazy moments. Number five had to do with Patrick's to-don't list. Yeah, Patrick the lazy starfish didn't have a to-do list. He had a to-don't list. And one day, SpongeBob comes up to Patrick and he says, Patrick, what are you doing? And he says, nothing. And then he picked up a piece of paper and scratched off the word nothing from his to-don't list. On another lazy occasion, SpongeBob found his starfish friend at home sitting in front of his television. And SpongeBob walks in and says, Patrick, is this what work looks like? And Patrick got defensive. And he says, it's not as easy as it looks. Sometimes I have to move the antenna. Sometimes I lose the remote. And sometimes my backside itches real bad. Patrick the lazy starfish. Do you know Patrick the lazy starfish? Can I be so bold this morning as to ask you, are you Patrick the lazy starfish? We're in a series of messages called Undefeated overcoming the deadly sins that drag you down. And we've talked about defeating pride, anger, last week defeating lust. This week we're talking about defeating laziness, laziness. How do you defeat laziness? Better yet, let's start by asking the question, what is laziness? I think the first thing we need to do is not confuse it with those uh, times in our life when we have a real need for rest and relaxation. There's a lazy streak in all of us, right? It comes up every once in a while, but more often than not, we just, we just need to rest. We need to uh, recreate. We need to kind of refuel ourselves. And that's when the Lazy Days RV company, an actual company in Tampa, Florida, may be the you know, place for you to go. They, they make recreational vehicles, the Lazy Days RV Company, or maybe the Lazy Day Resort, an actual place in Thailand is is more your your cup of tea, your, your speed. And on your lazy days, when you want to do absolutely nothing, because you really do need to rest and refuel and uh, recreate some. You know, God even created the heavens and the earth in six days, and the Bible says he rested on the seventh. Not because God grew weary and tired, we know that he doesn't. But he did this to model for us a healthy rhythm of life for us as human beings. He even gave us the Sabbath commandment, uh, six days of work and resting and doing absolutely nothing on that one day of rest. That's not laziness. That's just a smart way uh, to rhythm your life. So uh, let's just understand that and not confuse laziness with our, 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 our everyday need for rest and relaxation. So what is laziness? Dr. Neil Burton in an article titled The Psychology of Laziness says, a person is being lazy if he is able to carry out some activity that he ought to carry out but is disinclined to do so because of the effort involved. You know, you have something that you need to do, some work that needs to be done, but you say, I don't want to put that much effort into it. You're like, you know, Patrick the lazy starfish, the pink starfish that he is. 
And that's a nice cerebral definition that Dr. Burton gave to us, but I, I really prefer the Bible's definition of laziness. Actually, the Bible gives us um, a description of laziness. It's found in Proverbs chapter 24, beginning in verse 30. I read the verses a few moments ago, but let's read them again. Uh, this, this poetic, creative description of laziness and the consequences of it. Listen to this. I pass by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and a stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and I received some instruction. Listen to this instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a robber and lack like a want, uh, unwant, like an armed man. I love the poetry. I love the creativity. I love the picture painted. This was written 2,500, almost 3,000 years ago, but it still paints the picture of Patrick the lazy pink starfish. You walk into his house and everything's broken down, and you wonder. Yeah, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, a little bit of rest that goes beyond our normal need for rest and relaxation, but that creeps into that deadly sin we call laziness, or a better word, a more biblical word is a sluggard. Say that word with me, sluggard. Doesn't it just sound like a lazy person? You sluggard, you. Or the other word the Bible uses is slothfulness, slothfulness. Proverbs 20 and verse 4, the sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. Yeah, he doesn't get around to doing the work that he needs to do in autumn. And then at harvest time, he wonders why he doesn't have anything. Well, he was a sluggard. Proverbs 19 and verse 15, slothfulness casts into a deep sleep and an idle person will suffer hunger. I just love the sound of those words. And actually, the word slothfulness was the original term used by Pope Gregory uh, when he compiled his list of the seven deadly sins back in the sixth century. They, they talked about it not as laziness, that's what we talk about today, or the lazy day RV company or the lazy day hotel or whatever. Can you imagine the, the slothful hotel or the slothful recreation company? Or No, we use the word lazy. Back then, they used the more uh, biblically appropriate term of sluggard, slothful, just sounds like what we're talking about here. Uh, there's been a, a resurgence in the popularity of sloths. Have you noticed that? They're actually a little animal, a, a, a mammal. Uh, Disney's Zootopia has a, has a character in it named Flash, and, and Flash works at the DMV, the Department of Mammal Vehicles, all right? And we've all had that experience at the DMV where they move at the pace of a sloth, right? Disney got it right in Zootopia. Geico has that commercial where they're playing Pictionary, and, and the sloth, you know, it's, it's one of those timed sessions, you know, where you got to draw something there and you only got a few seconds to decide what it is. And, and one of the teams has a sloth on their team and all he gets to is just a little bit of a line. So frustrating for everybody else because the sloth just can't keep the pace. Uh, sloths are, are part of our humor today. But this is a very serious subject, slothfulness is. 
It was listed among the seven deadly sins uh, for a very, very good reason. Um, and we'll get to that in a, in a moment. But I think any discussion about this deadly sin, the deadly sin of laziness, of slothfulness, of sluggard, uh, needs a strong dose and an understanding of the biblical theology of work. Let me just say it this way. Your work matters to God. How you work, the diligence with which you give yourself to your work, it matters to God. Doug Sherman wrote a book by that title, I don't know, 20 or 30 years ago, Your Work Matters to God. And, and it's, it's probably the best work that I've seen that, that really dives into the Scripture and gets after, in a positive way, a biblical theology of work and diligence. I, I could come up with maybe a, a, another book, a companion to this, called Your Slothfulness Concerns God, but I don't think it would sell as many copies. It just, it just wouldn't. Doug Sherman's is a better book, Your Work Matters to God. Uh, slothfulness carries with it a, a moral and spiritual meaning, and... Uh, um, it's one of the deadly sins because it undermines productivity in society and ultimately undermines God's plan. Ecclesiastes 10 and verse 18 says, through sloth, the roof sinks in and through indolence, the house leaks. If somebody came to your house and saw the roof leaking and things in disrepair, would they be justified in saying a lazy person lives there? They don't even have the energy to fix the things around the house. They just let it continue in disrepair. Are you the lazy person who's too lazy to fix something around the house? Sloth is the enemy of productivity and a job well done. We're only about halfway through today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Today's teaching is part of Ron's series, Undefeated, Overcoming the Deadly Sins That Drag You Down. Visit our updated website, somethinggoodradio.org for more information on this series or to hear any of Ron's daily messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And when you stop by, check out our Something Good travel experiences. Travel beyond belief with Dr. Ron and Catherine Jones to Bible lands like Israel, Greece, Italy, Jordan, Turkey, and Egypt. Walk in the footsteps of Jesus or navigate Paul's missionary journeys. Several new travel experiences are now open for registration. Learn more at somethinggoodradio.org slash travel. In the Garden of Eden, work was not a punishment for sin. Work was part of God's plan even before the fall of man. It remains part of His plan today. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, Defeating Laziness. And when we dive into the biblical theology of work, you know, some of you may think that, uh, you know, work, work, work was part of the curse, wasn't it, Pastor? You go all the way back to Genesis and no, you know, work was cursed. No, it wasn't. Work was part of the creative order all the way back in the beginning. In fact, uh, uh, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, it says, the Lord God took the man, that was Adam, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Work was God's idea. He gave Adam work to do. Adam was in paradise, and he had work and productivity to do. 
And then the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 3 that sin entered into the world. God didn't curse work, no, he cursed the serpent. And then he made it difficult for childbirth to happen for the female and introduced a little contrariness between the husband and the wife. And then he cursed the ground, making it more difficult for Adam to be productive, okay? But the rhythm of life given to us all the way back in the book of Genesis was six days of work, one work of rest. Exodus 20 and verse 11 says, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. One of the reasons God gave us the Sabbath was for rest. It, it pictures also something theologically I won't take the time to go into, but uh, just, just for us to rest. It's a rhythm, a rhythm of life. Jesus said in John 5 and verse 17, my father is working until now, and I am working. Uh, God is always working. Sometimes we talk about the, uh, the great American work ethic, and um, uh, American workers are, are some of the best workers in the world, you know? Now, where did that come from, that good old-fashioned American work ethic? Some people point historically back to the 16th and 17th centuries when a group of people came over called the Puritans. It's sometimes called the American work ethic. Other times it's called the Puritan work ethic. These were people of faith, and they came to this country, and they were hard-working people because back then, part of the Puritan work ethic was this idea that the farmer felt just as called to plowing his fields as the preacher felt called to preaching his sermons. They had a well-formed biblical theology of work and they worked as unto the Lord. There was no slothfulness, there was no sluggardness, there was no laziness, and those who were, were you know, frowned upon. And that good old-fashioned Puritan American work ethic rooted in faith helped grow this country and helped build the great American worker that we have today. But can I suggest to you, that old American work ethic is under attack today. Now, because we live in a fallen world, we have drifted from the, the creative norm of working for six days, resting on one. I know that was a paradise thing. After paradise, it became you know, harder to be productive and to work the ground. And we've drifted into a five-day work week with two days of rest. Some people in the world have a three-day weekend and four days of work. In the earlier hours, somebody shouted amen for that. I mean, I, I understand, all right? And, but that's, that's being introduced even in our world today. The socialism and communism mindset will always drift away from the good old American Puritan work ethic that is rooted in a biblical theology of work. It's a subtle attack on Christianity. Beware of that. But some are now arguing for a four-day work week and three days of rest. Just how far we have drifted in our fallen world and how our productivity continues to decline. I know some people argue that you can be more productive with three days of rest rather than two days of rest and certainly more than one day of rest. I'll leave that for the experts to argue. But your work matters to God. If you, if you have a little bit of Patrick the lazy starfish in you, this may be the very deadly sin that drags you down. 
and undermines your productivity and ultimately God's plan that he wants to produce through you and produce through me. How do we defeat laziness? Three simple ways. Number one, practice diligence. What do I mean by diligence? Well, we've been talking about the seven deadly sins, pride, anger, lust, laziness. We'll get on to gluttony, envy, and greed in the weeks to come. But alongside the the vicious vices, we have also talked about some heavenly virtues that correspond to them. And the heavenly virtue that corresponds to the vicious vice known as laziness is what we would call diligence or hard work. The lazy person hardly works, but the diligent person works hard. Proverbs 12 and verse uh, 24, the hand of the diligent will rule while the sloth will be put to forced labor. The soul of the sluggard, Proverbs 13 and verse 4, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Proverbs 21 and verse 15, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes to poverty. You read throughout the book of Proverbs and over and over again, the wise person is the diligent person. The foolish person is the sluggard, the sloth, the lazy person. The apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, And verse 23, he says, whatever you do, listen to this, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. One of the things that a biblical theology work will do, it'll change your attitude at work. Thanks so much for being here for today's Something Good Radio message, Defeating Laziness. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to hear any of Dr. Ron Jones' messages on demand or to contact us for prayer. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I want to speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed something good, did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to something good, which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, will you do the same? Will you help us share something good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 828, which in the message says, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828 Club today. Here's Brian with all the details. Remember, when you partner with us, we'll start by sending you a copy of Ron's most popular book, Mysteries of the Afterlife, exploring its amazing secrets. Other 828 Club benefits will arrive throughout the year. 
to join the 828 Club today. Look for Something Good Partners at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or call 757-276-1099. Paul gave them an example of hard work to imitate. You got anybody like that in your life? Maybe your father, your grandfather, a friend, a neighbor? Uh, Parents, grandparents, are you providing that kind of example to your kids and your grandkids? Will they ever look back on Father's Day, dads, granddads, and say, wow, my, my granddad, my father, I learned how to work hard, to put in a good day's work from my father who worked hard. And his work ethic was was rooted in faith. That's next time in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Defeating Laziness. So join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.